So we do welcome you today. We're so glad that you're here to come and worship the Lord during this uh, holy holiday, this time of recognition, time of adoration, and what a great day it is. Have you noticed outside it's cold? I don't know if, you, if anybody took, took notice of it. 25 degrees. That's cold anywhere, but especially in Austin. And I don't know what the wind chill factor is, but it is cold. And it is, um, it's just a good thing to be in the house of the Lord today. My message, sermon's going to be a, a lot different. I would say it's a little different, but um, I'm going to break the rules of, of homiletics today. I like to uh, share with people and encourage, especially those who are pastors and preachers, to teach the Word of God expositionally, which means to be a pastor teacher. Take one passage of Scripture and expound upon that text and teach that text as I try to model, as I try to do here uh, in my ministry at Great Hills, but I'm going to abandon those rules of homiletics. Now, don't, don't accuse me of being a, a, a heretic, okay, because I'm not going to stay in one text and just preach that one text. In fact, I'm going to tell a story today. Most, most of my sermon will be uh, a story that uh, many of you at least know the lyrics of the story, but I don't know if you know the backstory uh, behind it. Uh, today we're going to look at God's gifts, plural, uh, to us. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have, anybody? Everlasting life. James chapter 1, verse 17. I love this verse, talking about the gifts of God manifest to His creation. It says in James, Every good gift, every gift... All-inclusive, all-encompassing, every single good gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights, who's described as having no changeableness in Him. There's no variation or shadow of turning. As I think about the gifts of God this Christmas message, and then next week I'm going to talk about our gifts to God. And then next Christmas Eve, the 24th, we're going to have a wonderful time, and I do want to... Uh, advertise for just a moment and invite those of you with grandkids and kids to please come because we're going to gather here at the altar and the sermon, if you will, the message is going to be directed to them and uh, for you secondarily. But please, please bring your kids because our church is going to spend a little money on them. We're actually going to give them a gift. In fact, I'm going to give them two gifts. And so I want you to, to come and bring your kids as our church makes a you say, well, do you know how many kids are coming? I don't, but we're going to prepare for a lot, okay? We're going to prepare for many to come. As I think about gifts and, of course, the preeminent gift of God's Son to us, I thought about God's gifts in general or generic, if you will. There, there are two primary ways that God reveals Himself to us. And part of that revelation is just God's nature to give, and He gives a revelation of who He is. He he wants us to know Him. He wants us to be in fellowship with Him. We are His highest. We are the pinnacle, the apex of His creation. Uh, we are unlike the animal life. We're unlike the plant life, of course, inanimate objects like this pulpit. No, we are His highest creation. We are created to know Him and to have fellowship with Him, to be able to talk to Him. Image Deo, it means we're created in the very image of God. And God has revealed Himself through the following general revelations through nature, you think about it for just a moment, God's manifest presence as He makes Himself known in, in nature, as God is the author of nature in this beautiful, uh, meticulous world, this created order, God 
speaks to us. In fact, Psalm 19 says He shouts to us through the firmament, through His created order. He speaks to us of His aliveness, of His being a living being. He speaks to us not only through nature, but through history. If we'll take the time to look at history and the major epics and and benchmarks of history is God has created and God has intervened. God created a people for Himself, Israel. And through those people, Israel, God gave us a Messiah. God reveals Himself. He gives gifts to us through nature, through history, and through the conscience of man, through man's moral compass. We have that within us, which that oughtness, that sense of ethics, that sense of right and wrong, where did that come from? It comes from a God of who, who loves us, an ethical God, a benevolent God, a gracious God. And so He's given us these gifts, but preeminently. His gifts go far beyond nature and history and conscience. As we look at two dimensions of the Word, we have the written Word of God. I, I believe this is one of the most prized, precious possessions that we have, and it is a gift of God. It is a miraculous gift. As you look at 66 books created by God, written by these men and who, who God spoke to, and then he's, he's given it to us. It all has the same theme running throughout it. And so this is a gift from God. God so loved the world that he gave his son, and he gave us a book, the Bible, and his special revelation, his living word, which is the reason we're here today, and that is to celebrate the Christ child. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, this is a passage that God is just really just speaking to me through, and, and it's very, it's very uh, short, it's very simple, if you will. Thank God, the New Living Translation says, thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Uh, the, the New King James says, and let us thank God for His indescribable gift. It's an interesting Greek word, anekdegetos. It's used one time. In the entire New Testament, and God reserved this one time for this special word, this adjective to modify the, the great gift of God's Son. And when you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 within its context, you see that it is all about giving. It is a grace gift that God has given to us through His Son. And, and Paul says, thanks be to God. And I could not, even if I tried with all the eloquence of mere mortals, I could never attain to described accurately His gift to us. Sustaining God, sovereign God, providential God, He is a God who gives. But something else God is showing me before I share my story with you today is, is God's gifts also come through bad times. I like what Chuck Swindoll said when he said Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. That God gives us Clarity, He gives us perspective. He, he speaks to us through the hard times of life. God allows things to happen to us. He does not prevent them. Sometimes He preempts them. Sometimes He does not. They, they pass through His sovereign, sustaining, providential hands, and He allows those events to come through His hands and to impact us directly. And then we ask, where is God? <laughs> I thought, brother, you said he was good. I thought you said he was benevolent, not malevolent. So what is going on? But oftentimes we're too quick to judge God because if we will wait as his children, we will notice that even through the harsh circumstances of life, God is still good. And God still works all things together. And as I've been reading in the book of John in my quiet time, God's been revealing this to me in a couple of texts. John 9, 3, it says, 
the man was born blind. And people said, well, who sinned, Jesus? With a man with congenital blindness, God has blighted him. God has punished him because he has sinned. Maybe his parents sinned or maybe in some embryonic form he sinned. And so therefore he is blind. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. No one has sinned to cause this, but that the works of God should be revealed. And then John eleven three. remember when Lazarus died and the Bible said Jesus delayed going to Bethany by two days? He waited four days and, and Jesus shows up and they said, well, don't waste your time. God, he stinketh. I mean, he, he's in the tomb. And, and, and they're like, it's, it's too late. And, and Jesus said, no, he's just taking a nap. <laughs> he's just sleeping. And they began to ridicule him until John eleven four, 4 when it said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. Man. But that the glory of God, the Son of God, may be glorified through it. This Christmas season, I have been pondering and thinking about this thought. I've shared it at the Trail of Lights. I shared it at the Ochester Learning Center graduation. I'll probably share it again next week. And here's the thought that God keeps gripping me on this Christmas holiday is, don't miss God in the unexpected. Watch for God to reveal himself to you in a special dynamic way this holiday season. And it may come in the form of sorrow. It may come in the form of a child. By the way, he's done that before. It may come in a blessing, in a promotion. It may come in a myriad and a plethora of ways. And God just keeps pounding on my heart. Tell the people, tell the people that I will visit them, but don't miss me. Don't miss me when I come in un expected ways. Who would have thought God would be <laughs> God would be born in a feed trough. Somebody help me with that. <laughs> I mean, in a manger, there's no room for the Son of God, the, the Word of God incarnate, so He's placed in a feed trough. And, and He chooses Mary, a peasant girl, maybe 14, 15 years of age, and the Holy Spirit impregnates her. She had known no man, and so here she is, a virgin, and she has conceived, and and she bears a son and places him where the animals eat their food. And then that same God would walk upon this earth for 33 years, then be impaled, I mean literally crucified on a cross, openly, conspicuously for the world to see. And he does that with his arms outstretched. And I hear John 3, 16 reverberating through the heavens, for God so loved us. That's a strange way to save the world, is it not? I mean, would you not agree? That's strange. That is different. And man, if I were God, I don't think I... But you're not. <laughs> I'm not. Ashley and I recently watched this Dolly Pardon movie. I don't know if y'all seen it. The, the Christmas of Many Colors, Circle of Love. And we watched the prequel last year, and it was called The Code of Many Colors. I don't know if y'all seen this. I love Dolly Parton, by the way. She looks like my mama. She, she really does. And my wife reminds me that a lot. Dolly Parton and my mom look a, a lot alike. And she is a sweet, precious Christian lady. And Rolling Stone magazine, that great bastion of conservative theology and... <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine says, depicting a true story from Parton's childhood, Christmas of Many Colors, Circle of Love, aired November the 30th on NBC. It is the sequel to Code of Many Colors, which aired last December to monster ratings so high 
that NBC re-aired the movie, end of quote, Rolling Stones magazine. And if you've seen the movie, then there are some moments in that movie that capture you by great surprise. Dolly Parton plays the part of the, of the lady with not a so good reputation in the community, and she's the benevolent one. She's the one that gives the, the gifts. She's the one that intervenes in the little girl's life who is Dolly Parton in the show. And then there are other unexpected events of God, and they're unashamedly, they, like the dad, he is trapped in a mine. He's trying to get money, earn some extra dollars to buy his wife a, a wedding ring that she does not have. And so he's in there, and he's trapped in the mine. All the other men escape, and then a hand reaches down and pulls Dolly Parton's dad out of the mine, and he comes out, and, and, and they say, oh, that's, that's great, and so who, who helped you? He says, I have no idea, but somebody pulled me up, and they said, but there was nobody in there but you, and they just leave it for you to go, ooh, wait a minute, maybe an angelic being, and it was one of those moments, and then toward the end of the, of the show, there's this blanket of snow that covers uh, Tennessee, and, and they're encased in their home, and and, and yet they don't die. They almost die, but God spares them. And I just, it's like God is speaking to me through movies and he's speaking to me through carols and he's speaking to me through his words saying, I reveal myself in different ways. So don't, don't miss me. So here's how this story started for me. And it happened December the 4th, 2016, at about 11.30 or 12 in the Great Hall during our Deacon Widow's Christmas lunch. Miss Judy Stone does such a wonderful job, and our deacons, they chime in, and the wives help. And it is a, I tell you guys, there's a lot of things we do at Great Hills. But I think when we serve those who hurt and serve those that maybe others overlook, I believe God takes special notice. And we're serving them, and and Megan Sheffield, she gets up with the praise team band, our Elevate band, and they sing a song. And when she sings the song, O Holy Night, and when she said those words, fall on your knees, it's like, bam! It's like the Holy Spirit just hit me. So you're Baptist, he doesn't hit you, you're a Baptist. No, no, he hit me, hit me good. And I was just like, I got emotional. I, I just like, I almost started crying and I'm, I really wanted to get on my knees. I'd heard this song countless times. I mean, I'm 52 years old. I've heard it 53 years. Are you with me? In my mother's womb, going to church, going to Christmas carols. And, but it's like, I'd never heard that before. It's just like the Spirit of God was speaking to me in an unexpected way. I didn't see it coming and he hit me. So I thought, I need to study this song. What is the story behind the story of old holy night. Well, thank you for asking me because I'm about to tell you. Started in 1847 in a little town in France, in southern France. If you look at it on the, the map, it's in the southeastern corner, and it's about as far away from Paris as you possibly can get and still be in France. 1847, a clergyman, a parish priest, He said, you know, I want to do something different this year. I want something new. I want to create a poem, and I want to read it for Christmas Mass, Christmas Eve, 
And the parish priest did something that was really strange. He asked Placid Capu. He asked this man if he would write the poem. And Placid was known more for his wine and his vineyard than he was for his church attendance. In fact, he never, hardly ever went to church. And so Placid was, he was shocked. He said, parish priest, you're asking me? <laughs> you, you know me, right? You're asking me to write the lyrics for what? What would you say? A Christmas mass? And the priest said, I really can't explain it, but I'm, I'm asking you to do this. And so the man thought about it for a little bit. And he said, you know what? I will. And so Placid got into a carriage in Rockmore, which is the southern eastern part of France. He got in a carriage and he rode in his carriage to Paris. And he, not a very religious man, took the Bible, this French Bible, and he opened it to Luke chapter 2 and he wrote, oh, holy night the stars are brightly shining it is the night yeah that's right that's what we just sang he wrote wrote it all out he goes I've done this and he goes you know what I think this is special and I'm no musician so I'm going to ask a friend of mine if he would put the music to the lyrics and so he asked a man named Adolf Adams Adolf Adams was a Jew so here you have a Jewish man composing the music to the lyrics of a person who's probably not even a Christian, and God gave us Oh Holy Night. Let me tell you something. God works in mysterious ways. He works in strange ways. Don't discount Him. Don't discredit Him. Don't say, well, that can't be of God because that's not my tradition, and that's not the way I do it. Listen, God's bigger than you. He's bigger than your tradition. He's bigger than all. He's God. And if he wants to do that, then he, he can do it. So when they sang it three weeks later, man, the people went crazy. The French people just sang it. It was almost like an instant hit. Until... The French authorities, the Catholic Church, began to do a little more research a few years later on Cantique de Noël, Oh Holy Night, and they were like, wait a minute. This cannot be of God. That man, Placid, he has joined the socialist movement. And when he did that, he broke all connections with the Catholic Church. He had a modicum of connections, but when he joined the socialist movement, he was basically branded a heretic. And the and the French Catholic authorities, the archbishops, they said, this song cannot be of God because that guy wrote the words to it. And by the way, who wrote the music? A Jewish man. Oh, heavens, no, a Jewish man. So they banned it. <laughs> they said it is outlawed. You cannot sing. Cantique de Noel, oh, holy night. By the way, religious leaders do dumb things. We're just ignorant sometimes. We do dumb things. And by the way, some of you have been offended by some ignoramus religious leader, and I just want to submit to you on their behalf, I'm sorry. God is good. God is sovereign. God is holy. God is perfect. We're not, okay? So, yeah. But the people just kept on singing it. And they, 
would not quit singing it every Christmas. And so now it comes to America. There's a man named John Sullivan Dwight. It's in the 1860s. Started in 1847, the song. Now in the 1860s in the United States, what's going on in our country? War. That's right, civil war. And a man by the name of Dwight, he, he was so opposed to slavery. He just saw it as a blight against our nation. And he's just, he's just crying out to God, I wish there was something that I could give to our country. And so he began to do some research, and he was studying in French, and he came across Cantique de Noël. And he, he read the words in the third stanza, as we just sang, says, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the... Slave is our brother. Right? And in his name, all oppression shall cease. So Dwight translated, O Holy Night, into English, and that's how we got it. Hello. <laughs> we got O Holy Night in the midst of slavery in our nation. God interjected this great carol to us during that time in the life of our country. Now, back in France... Legend has it, in Christmas Eve, 1871, in the midst of a war between France and Germany, a French soldier came out of his trench without a weapon, and he stood, and the German army looked at him like, this guy's lost his mind, but they didn't shoot him and kill him because he started singing. And it was Christmas time, and so the French soldier, you guessed it, Cantique on Noel, he began to sing, O Holy Night. And then he jumped back in the trench. A German soldier came up off the other side. And the French didn't shoot him because he broke out in song. I guess not to be outdone, but he sang Martin Luther's From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. Which I don't know that one, but I'm sure it's good. So here you have these two men singing Christmas carols, birthed in their country. And for the next 24 hours, the captains of both armies said, no fighting. Let's just at least observe some time of peace in this Christmas season. But it actually gets better. <laughs> 1906, there's a man in America. He's the chief chemist for Thomas Edison. Fezenden is his name. Charles Reginald Fezenden, 33 years of age, he did something thought impossible. And by the way, you can read all of this on beliefnet.com. It's, it's documented the truthfulness of the veracity of this. And I'll just read what it says. Using a new type of generator, Fessenden spoke into a microphone, and for the first time in history, a man's voice was broadcast over the airwaves. The first words heard, not tick, 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 Morse code, not, not that. The very first words heard on the airwaves, on the radio waves, were these words. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And to hear it described, well, let, me, let me just read it, it's fascinating. He began in a clear, strong voice, hoping he was reaching across the distances he supposed he would. Shocked radio operators on ships and astonished wireless owners 
at newspapers sat slack-jawed as their normal coded impulses heard over tiny speakers were interrupted by a professor reading from the Gospel of Luke. To those who heard it, it must have seemed like a miracle. Hearing a voice somehow transmitted to those far away. Fessenden was probably unaware of the sensation he was causing on ships and in offices around the world. He could not have known that men and women were rushing to their wireless units to catch the Christmas Eve miracle. After finishing his recitation of the birth of Christ, Fessenden picked up his violin and he began to play a Christmas carol. <laughs> Anybody want to guess? Oh, holy night. Stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. The first melodic tunes heard on radio waves, on airwaves, was this song. Given to us by a man, probably not a Christian. Written musically by a man we know is not a Christian. In fact, he told his friend. He told Placid. Adams told Placid. He said, listen, I've read your lyrics, and I just want you to know, I do not believe in this day, and I do not believe in the person about whom this day is all about, but because you're my friend, I'm going to write the melody to this song. <laughs> and then he comes to our nation in the midst of war, and then it's the first song heard on the airwaves. And by the way, you just owe it to yourself. If you have not heard Celine Dion sing, Oh, holy night. When she hits that Noah, and she's just like, whoa. And I'm just like, I'm driving in a road. I'm just like, man, I'm just about to have a, a holy conniption fit. I'm just like, why? And then I turn Josh Groban. Holy. I'm like, whoa, man, bring it. And I'm like, man, what a song. Do those people know what they're singing? I often want to ask this question, do these celebrities, do these stars, if you will, they're singing all these great doctrinal songs. Do you know what you're singing? <laughs> Has God spoken to you today, maybe through a very familiar carol or song? or Maybe God just surprised some of you today. You came to church, and you met the Lord in a strange and a different way. You know, one of my favorite authors who's gone on to be with the Lord in the last century who's given us Aslan, he's given us the Chronicles of Narnia and Mere Christianity and, and a host of other wonderful books, The Problem of Pain. C.S. Lewis, he, he said, when I was converted to Christ through Tolkien's influence, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote a little bestseller, maybe you've heard of it, The Lord of the Rings, all time. I think it's the second or third best all-time literature fiction. He said, when Tolkien shared with me and challenged me, he said, Tolkien challenged me with these words. He said, you won't believe in God because your imagination's too small. <laughs> That's what Tolkien told Lewis. And these two prodigious, brilliant minds are sitting in a pub. I think they're Baptist, okay? They're sitting in a pub, and they're sipping some brewskis or whatever, and, and they're looking at it, and he goes, you don't believe in Jesus because you can't imagine it because it's out of your world, it's out of your scope, and you need to humble yourself, C.S. Lewis, and you need to believe. And he said, I do believe. And he was converted to Christ. And he says these words, when I became a Christian, I was, three words, and this is the autobiography of his salvation declaration. Here it is. He said, I was surprised 
by joy. See, God is a God of surprises. God loves speaking through ways that you and I might not think God would do that. And so again, I want to finish this message the way I began. If God speaks, and I believe He will, in a special, particular way this Christmas season, look for the unconventional. Look for God in unexpected places and people in ways that you may not have ever thought. It just could be, Hebrews 1, that you're entertaining angels unaware. Some of you are going to be surprised today that you, 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 know, I just, you know, I tell you, the more I know God, the more I don't know God. Because He's just so beyond me. He, he's just so amazing. And I'm sitting there in the great hall and the Holy Spirit just, bam, fall on your knees. I'm like, what is happening to me? What's going on here? And, and it's almost like, well, in order for me to speak to your people, i got to get through to you, knucklehead, first. So I'm going to speak to you in, in, a, in a new way. Fall on your knees. Understand what these lyrics mean. And tell the people, look for me as I pass by in unexpected ways. And some of you today, for the very first time, will say, I understand. Holy Spirit, I understand who you're talking about. He has fallen on me. He has convicted me. And he is drawing me to the Christ child. And for the very first time, I'm embracing him as my Savior and my Lord. If C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien can do it, I guess I can too. If God could speak to a, to a renegade commissionaire of wines in southern France and give him, oh, holy night, what could God give you? <laughs> what could God do through you? Just embracing, just believe and trusting you say, but you don't know what that takes from me, preacher. You don't, you don't understand because I'm very analytical and very empirical. And i got to touch it, taste it, feel it, see it. I just can't embrace it. Then your imagination's too small. You need to open up your mind, open up your heart. Is it all a fancy? Is it all a fiction and a fable? No, it's, it's actually real. It's like God in heaven is just, has a microphone or a megaphone. He's just speaking to you. It's like you're the only person in this room and saying, be open. Receive me. So, Lord, I pray for that person you're speaking to. Be it a teenager, probably a university student, God, is who this is, who I'm probably speaking to right now. And so, Lord, I pray for him and I pray for her that they would soften their heart and their minds. Perhaps it's an academic person, a professor in our house today, Lord, or maybe someone listening through television, through the internet, in some way, God, in some amazing, mysterious, strange way, I'm just appearing on their radio or on their screen and internet and TV, and God, you're speaking to them saying, I love you, I created you, I'm shouting at you. My love to you, receive me. And so I want to pray for you right now, my friend, that you would receive Christ and that you would follow him. Some of you need to follow on through and follow into the baptism like we did today. It's a public confession of your faith. Some of you need to follow on through and be a part of a community, a body of Christ, a church, or follow on through and serve the Lord in different capacities. But it all begins, the journey always begins with an initial step. And your step, some of you for the very first time, take a step toward Christ. And it is amazing what he's about to do. So, Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for surprising us with joy. Thank you, Lord, for, oh, holy night. Thank you, God, that you came 
in a manger. As strange as that sounds to us today, God, and you died on a cross. Amazing, special. Such a strange way to save the world, but God, it's your way, and you're God, we're not, so we just accept it. We believe it. We believe it all, and we receive you as our Savior and as our King, and we want you to use us, Lord. Use us any way you want to, to bring glory to your name and to broadcast your good news gospel across the nations. Thank you for our time together, Lord. We love you. We commit ourselves to you. Thank you for this time of invitation right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I love to have a time of invitation. As you stand to your feet today and as you sing a song, maybe a new song to the Lord, maybe you want to come and take one of these pastors or counselors by the hand and just talk to them and let them encourage you in your newfound faith. Or maybe you just want to bring a friend or bring a spouse and just come to the altar and pray and just thank God for the way He has shown up in your life and the way He has blessed you so enormously. So God bless you as Terry and the praise team sing. God bless you as you come.